Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Spoiler Cast. It's been a while. It's myself, Scott Johnson. It's him, Mr. Justin Robert Young. We skipped the entire summer. Yeah, we kind of did in a weird way. So gung-ho. We're like, man, we're bringing it back for mm -hmm. the summer. Mm -hmm. And, man, we got lost like Mark Watney. We got what do you <laughs> I like how you've already roped in today's theme. We didn't We didn't do anything for Ant-Man. We didn't do anything for... What was another... I, you know, we I th a lot of people sort we of... should have done one for Fantastic Four. Yeah, probably. should have both manned up and went to go see Fantastic Four. Yeah. You didn't see it at all, right? I assume. I had, I did not see it. Did yeah, you? No, I'm freaking. That's eight bucks. I can call my own. I'm not gonna. Spend I mean, it on that. I am excited to see it on VOD though. Mm. Well, all right. There's no reason we can't return to it then. You maybe. Know, maybe I'll do that. That thing will probably yeah. stream, or you know, they'll they'll do anything they can to sort of push that out at some point here. So I I suspect oh, I Netflix. Definitely at the everybody wants to forget about that movie. Yeah, phase. it's a it's bad piece of news. It represents many things, not just a bad Fantastic Four movie, but it represents um, one of the Star Trek anthology film directors being cut in a lot of ways because he was... Oh, jeez. He was on track, Stop. man. Uh, no. Yeah. Do you know what you just did? What? Did I just Star give you a new path to talk about and now you're going to oh, go down it? You said that the Star Trek anthology... Oh, I Star Wars anthology. Oh, come on. It's the cold medicine, I swear. I can't talk right today. Me no talk right. Jeez, God, come on. <laughs> You're supposed to be the nerd guy who has all the nerd opinions. Come on. Did I really say Star Trek anthology film? It's fine. Damn it. All right, well, I can edit this out in post. No one heard it live. <laughs> Listen, no matter what, it's not as big of a disaster as Fantastic Four was for Josh Trek. Yeah. And, and his subsequent petulant, uh, you know, yelling about it on Twitter. Yeah, he's not happy. I think he probably should have spent a little more time in the indie scene, maybe. He was not ready to quite be uh, brick director Ryan Johnson just yet uh, to be a to go from you know relatively small uh, fair to a giant Star Wars film is a pretty big leap. I mean, it is it is kind of a, a big question though that you know now we we vilified Josh Trank but really what is the difference? I mean, I guess Ryan Johnson had done three movies to that point. Correct. Right. Brick. brick uh, the the uh, the something boys brothers brothers Bloom. Brick, Brothers Bloom, and Looper. Looper. There you go. So he had done three movies yeah. with name actors. Right. And in Bruce Willis, a a a, a fairly uh difficult to work with sure. name actor. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, uh, up and coming Joseph Gordon Levitt, who had he had a relationship with. Right. Uh and so I guess th there is a little bit more of a seasoning and a pedigree, but he is probably facing just as much of a of a ramp up. You know, in terms of the world of franchise movie making, oh, dude, that that Josh Trank did. Can you even imagine the heat it must be to be anyone singled out to direct these films? I, I mean, I'll even say somebody who is is gleefully involved in a film as J.J. Abrams. He has to be. He has to feel crazy amounts of pressure and heat. He may deal with it really well. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, I think J.J. Abrams is a unique case because he kind of, in in a lot of ways, came from television. Sure. So he's kind of used to dealing with an overbearing network. He's used to dealing with very, very complicated budgets. He's used to dealing with a lot of stuff that if you're an indie filmmaker, effectively, if you have any kind of producer that's getting you money that that's come into contact with you, you're really, you, you've got a pretty, you know, uh, a circle on what you need to do. Yeah. And that gets way more complicated when you go from even a modest film like Chronicle mm -hmm. to Fantastic Four, which is supposed to like, you know, movies like Fantastic Four are worked into like mega conglomerate budget bottom lines. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, yeah. there's some, you know, boardroom in Tokyo where they're <laughs> like, you know, they're the Fantastic Four. <laughs> like, <laughs> some kind of a Yakuza connection there with the, uh, yeah, I don't know. Then. I mean, I don't know whether that's probably all racist. It but probably you know, is. Yeah. Just like, uh, but like just just to say that there is a lot that kind of goes into that. And, and he certainly kind of choked on it and, and barfed it up in front of everybody. And we yeah. all were like, ooh, that's gross. Josh, yeah. What you yeah. You shouldn't be on a Star Wars movie. But, uh, but and also you make a good point about J.J. Abrams. Um, you know, everyone wa wants to talk about the refiner's fire and how you can get to some high place from some low place. Not only did all that TV stuff benefit him, but. It does feel like there's been step-by-step -step ways to get to your Star Wars movie, one of them being 
make big movies on your own that people like. I think Super 8 was pretty well received. I love that movie. Um, yeah. Then he comes along and says, well, I'm going to take another beloved science fiction franchise and I'm going to see if we can do that. And he did it with Star Trek to some people think to great success. Some would say average, but I, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I think it was pretty good and a real good popcorn movie, but you know, it, it's not necessarily the Star Trek Star Trek fans necessarily want. So, yeah. so, but, but he still did it and accomplished it and made a ton of money with it. It's like, all right, guess what? You're, you've, you've bonafide hit, hit with everything. You've directed somebody else's movie and made a really good, maybe the best mission impossible movie. Yeah. And you did a lot of stuff on TV that a lot of other people haven't done. And your production company is responsible for a lot of successes. Like you're the perfect guy. And you claim that Spielberg is in your dreams every night. Well, so, and, and he probably is, you know, hovering right. uh, over him, uh, whispering <laughs> positive things in his ear. Uh, <laughs> likely. I mean, I guess the, the big question going forward for the younger directors is is who can make that jump, yeah, you know? Yeah. Who's uh, who's more suited for it? And, and you know, we're all going to see. I'm sure we'll do one of these for, for, for the Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, have to. You know, but uh, but it's going to be a real question, mm-hmm. you know? On whether or not that movie's going to be good. But yeah. we're not here for that. No, no, no. We're here for other space adventures. One being uh, a guy named Mark Watney who got stuck in space, got stuck on Mars based on a book by Andy Weir. Uh, previous to his fame as the author, I knew him as one of the chief programmers and employees very early on in early Blizzard days. He worked on uh, Warcraft 2. Really? Very specifically, yeah. I absolutely love that. That that this is that same guy. I just think. It's and amazing. you were aware of his name? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd I'd known of Andy Weir ahead of the book being published, and thought that's not the same Andy Weir, is it? And then people are like, oh yeah, it totally is. And if you do a little checking, it totally is. And then to have that book be so awesome and so good, it just I don't know. I don't know why I feel like there's even a lineage there. A lot of people work a lot of places before on this show. I mean, I feel like like this is something that we could get him on this show for. We probably could, yeah. We we Although very that well. That would probably uh, hinder us, you know, giving uh, objective opinions. <laughs> well, and also, I don't, you know, he's in a very different place today than he was even eight months ago. No, you know? but I, I feel like you, that's the, the the person that he wants to talk to, right? Might be, yeah. He like uh, he we, doesn't. Well, here's here's what he doesn't want to talk about. Mm. So what's Matt Damon like? <laughs> and that's pretty much everybody that's talking to him now, right? I'm sure right. he would do a backflip for. So when you were doing Warcraft two, yeah. like, yeah, I would think so. If I were him, I would want to. I would think fondly on that stuff. But anyway, he's uh, he's extremely interesting interesting guy. Uh, he uh, the only worry I have for him is what's his second book like. You know, is he going to end up with like uh, Armada syndrome where it's no, not no. doesn't quite hit, you know, well, like the first book did uh, Eat, Pray, Love Lady. She had like one big hit and then never made another one that was even close to the success. That's really, really good. It's an interesting question, though. Whenever we come to like the, the pinnacle of somebody's career is, I mean, like it stands to reason that if you do something career defining. Yeah that you're not going to do a lot of them, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like it's it's amazing and it's unique but, but for a, a reason. And we might be disappointed that there is not something that sings to the level that it, it that one work did to your heart, mm-hmm. but it's 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 the rule, right? Sure, sure. Like, even, even you, in cases like George Lucas where your defining work is Star Wars, but you could also argue Indiana Jones is no slouch, but it's still not the definer. The Star Wars well, saga also, is I mean, the definer. That, that's a unique situation because Indiana Jones is thought of just as much with Spielberg as it is with Lucas. That's true. It's a joint. It's a joint effort, no question. Uh, but you know, like Quentin Tarantino might be one of the most important uh, directors and writers of our modern era, and there's a like large chance when he dies, Pulp Fiction will be his best movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and that's like speaks more to how amazing Pulp Fiction is mm-hmm. that it can still cast a shadow over everything else he's done when the rest of his body of work is so amazing. Yeah, so in Andy Weir's case, you have to imagine that he's at least thought about the idea that that he may have written his opus uh, first. Well, Andy Weir is a very interesting case, though, because The Martian is unique, and and, and let's, let's try to do at least a portion of this review that is only focusing on the movie and not in comparison to the book. But it, but, <laughs> Good idea. But, but just to talk about the book real quick, yeah. what makes the book exceptional is all of the hard work he puts into making it real. Mm-hmm. 
Like it, it is hard sci-fi um, in, in a way that has not been popularized in a very, very long time in modern literature. Sure. Uh, especially to the level that this is and, and had a movie that was uh, as, uh, you know, at least understood to be something that could be adapted. So really for people, for Andy Weir to satisfy his book fans, all he's got to do is find another insane situation, hire a research team, yeah, and yeah. you know do the math, sure, right? Sure, that's basically. I mean, there's so much of this book that it felt like I was. I mean, it was a very exciting textbook, but a textbook nonetheless. It did feel like I was reading a manual a lot of times, and I don't mean that yeah. at all as a negative punch against the the book or the movie because yeah, I don't think it is. Um, what surprised me about the movie was that it was so true to that. It, uh, to that um, okay, okay. arc right, we, in the hold book. On. Let's let's just talk about the movie. So right. here, from here on out, if right. one of us brings up the book, yeah. then the other one goes, Meh. okay? Okay, I got it. I'm so back over here. That's what you'll hear. Movie. Then once we've talked about the movie, then we'll get back to the book so we can have kind of both sides of the coin. Fair enough. What did you think of the movie? I really liked the movie a lot. Um, I have not seen a movie in a very long time where nobody's the villain. And I want, to, I want everyone to think about that for a second if you've seen this movie. Um, nobody is a villain. Everyone. I mean, I got a villain for okay, you. Okay, well, sure. If you want to, Dumber might be a villain, but not no. really. Who, no, 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 who, no, no. Who are no, you no, going to no, say? No. Who's the villain? M-A-R-S, <laughs> Mars, bitches, Red Hot. Yay, yay. No, I actually will allow that. It is definitely... Yes, of course. Like man versus nature, in, in this yeah, case, yeah, interstellar no, nature. A, a classic, understandable, you know, man versus uh, the but, other. But usually you've got some guy in there who's willing to kill somebody to get the last piece of meat or screw the whole party over because, you know, hand me the idol, I just need the whip or whatever guy. Sure, yes. That, yes. that usually happens. And this is this is a unique thing, and I felt this way. Oh, damn it. I was going to say the book. But anyway, I, the, when I when I knew of this story previous to the film, <laughs> kind of cheated. Oh, don't, don't. I know. I did it again. You have a very good point. And also, let, let, let's put a pin in this because I do want to come back to the villain question in, in reference to the book. Okay. Well, so. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get back to it. Right, right, right. So you have interests, you have competing values, and those things exist in the story, uh, in the movie. But, but, but no one's a villain. Everybody has the right intention. Nobody wants to screw anybody over. Nobody wants to usurp power. Nobody wants to do anything bad to anyone during the entire film. And that's rare to then also tell me that this is a riveting, can't take my eyes off it, even quiet moments are fascinating kind of story. And I thought it was really brilliantly done. It's a nice bounce back for um, Ridley Scott from his, you know, from Prometheus, which was abysmal in my opinion and I love him as a director I love just about everything he's ever done and I would put this right up there despite the fact that it's more humorous and lighter than the other two but I'd put it right up there with the other science fiction classics he's responsible for like Blade Runner and Alien and I would say that this is one of his better films and it's also a stretch for him because it's not dark like usual it's not it's not nor his normal thing so okay. I loved the movie I really did Scott what's what's uh what's the waist size uh, on who? Me? Uh, on your crazy pants! <laughs> like, this is not a. This is not as good of a movie as Blade Runner or uh, uh, Alien. Like, All right, I, argue, argue me that point because I'm. I have. I have answers to why I think that that's okay. that it holds well, up. That's fine, and I'm. I'm. I'm really excited to hear them. Also, right. that's that's insane. Okay. Uh, it is a nice movie. It is a good movie. It is certainly a a bounce back from Exodus and. Prometheus, although I did not see Exodus, but just looking at the critical reaction to it. Oh, I, I forgot that was him. He made Exodus. Oh, I forgot about that. I never saw it. That, that's the Christian Bale deal, right? The Christian Bale and uh, Jeremy Renner? Uh, the other, well, yeah, whoever the other guy is. I do not remember. I forgot that movie even existed. Oh, that makes me sad, too. Because so, you could probably put that up there with like that Robin Hood adaptation was terrible. Um, yeah, I, I think know. he's not an automatic director. No. This movie, to me, is very enjoyable. Uh, it sings past the halfway mark, but I I have two quibbles with it. All right. 
Before I get into that, let me just let me let me let me explain what's great about it. It's extraordinarily well shot. Yep. It is a a movie that it is uh, it it gets the 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 moral of the movie, which is really fun, is how much one man's story can inspire us. Right, and that works both on a meta level for everybody in the theater and on you know the the page and the screen of the world. Wait, you did know? you say page? You said page, didn't you? <coughs> Just want to point that out. You said oh, page. It's all right. Uh, uh, and we go, uh, you know, we, we go from uh, Matt Damon sitting, uh, you know, on, on the Martian soil with, uh, you know, his suit yelling at him to the end of the movie with Times Square and Trafalgar Square and uh, everybody going, you know, regardless of country and nationality, right. going insane. Which, by the way, is it is it real that they would just play the live feed from the ship? Like... <laughs> across the world <laughs> well if if we are living in a time where habitats and man are spending good deals of time on mars successfully and routinely maybe kind of feel like that would be something where it's like it would be mission command that's relaying these things mm -hmm. and not the live like nobody wants you know, the, the, the 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 screaming strangled cries <laughs> of of everybody of these astronauts like it just broadcast live you know they, they kind of Kristen Wiig would go crazy if if that were the case that's a good like, point uh, but didn't they see okay I actually have I have a I have a problem with your assumption though because I yeah. don't think they did show it on live international I TV. think that that the audio at the end yeah the Times Square and I might be misremembering this I thought it was just the reporter relaying everything. No, no. I think Times Square is hearing, um, you know, the zero Mars thirty lady uh, talking. Oh, maybe you're now. You know, I, now I think you're right. You, they weren't listening to Houston then, say then things. Because then she turns off the comm. Yeah, but to I say let's go make the bomb. See, and I thought that was just for the for the people in control center. But... I think it works either way. Sure, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, now, so now that you mention it, minor, I, minor, minor thought, and yeah. I might be misremembering it. So, yeah. so for for you know whatever that I goes. could be too. Uh, sure. Here's my two issues. Okay, one is bigger than the other. All right. One, I was kind. The first half of the movie, yeah. or really the first third, I guess, was kind of problematic for me because it was always there were these touches of the kind of movie it could be that it never really settled on one of them. Mm. It wasn't, uh, I think I, I, I described on, on weird things, this like anachronistic, super visual disco soundtrack, uh, avant-garde art kind of first act, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where we just see a lonely man in these amazing sweeping vistas while ABBA plays in the background. <laughs> right. It wasn't, Castaway, yeah. where you see kind of a journey through through him, where like in the first few days he's like, okay, I'm just gonna die, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So let me just eat all the food I can and think about my life, and and then I'm gonna die. And then he realizes, you know, what what things are. And there were certain hints of this in, in the book. You know, I don't think he ever gets particularly melancholy, but he certainly is, you know, a, a little hard on himself, harder on himself than I think. Uh, he is portrayed in the movie. Mm. And go, you can buzz me for that. Oh, yeah, that is definitely a book reference. Hold on a second. Jeez. All right. uh, and it's not really as funny as it could be. He's uh. not like wise cracking astronaut guy. Like it, it's always in this middle area. All of those movies are, are, hinted at it keeps like saying well maybe it's this and maybe it's this and maybe it's this but it never really settles on one mm. and and to me it never really caught the traction that the rest of the movie does mm. as soon as you realize this is not really a movie about about mark watney mm. this is a movie about how mark watney affects everybody around him right and he is swept up himself in that wave he starts the movement of caring about saving his own life. Yeah. And then everybody in the world cares as well. Well, to me, it would, to me, it's like uh, any major event that captures everybody's 
attention or imagination, whatever that may be. In sometimes negative ways, 9-11 arguably brought people together in yep. ways they never had thought of, at least for a period of time. And then other things in more positive ways, uh, you know, video of somebody saving a, uh, uh, I don't know, a whale surfaces and then that stream is spread everywhere and it goes viral. Now everybody's concerned about this whale and how they're going to save it in, on some Miami beach somewhere. Like those yeah. things happen in small ways all the time. F- to me, it's completely realistic. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't think it is, but to me, it's completely realistic that that would become a, a worldwide obsession uh, until oh, no. you got I, him I, home. This, this is what I love about the movie. Right. When it gets to that, I think that that's the point of the movie. Yeah. It's everything previous to that 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 I, I I just felt never really gelled for me, and to to tell a family secret, I found maybe just a little bit boring. Oh. Uh, which brings me to my 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 second point. All right, point two. I don't think Matt Damon was a good Mark Wahlberg. Oh, see, I oh, I think he was perfectly cast. Like when I okay, when I had read the book, damn it, when I read the book, <laughs> it was um. I remember reading it at the time and thinking, oh, man, this is great. Love it. Who the crap are they going to cast? And then when I heard who they had cast, not just him, but the rest of the cast, because they're all pretty important in the in the story as well. No, I, no, no. And it's not that I think he's a bad actor. Mm. And it's not even like I think he was a bad, uh, that he couldn't do the job. I just didn't like his performance. Oh, see, I thought it was amazing. If he doesn't get nominated, he will be nominated for Academy Award acting. I guarantee it. He may not win, but he'll be nominated. You Probably, watch. right? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, I was never really, I never really believed, and, and obviously I know where the story goes, but I never really believed he wasn't going to get off. Hmm. I, I never really believed he was very scared. And I was never really brought into his plight. Um, interesting. He was Jason. He was he was too Jason Bourne for me. Do you so? Was, do you think that previous stuff hurt hurt your chances of buying him as as this character? No, it wasn't necessarily his previous stuff. It was just the way he acted. Mm. You know, when he says, "I'm a botanist," mm. it comes off as ironic to the audience that this action hero is also a botanist. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that at all from that. I got from that. I got from that everything that, that I've gotten. How, that's how my audience reacted in seeing the theater. Really? Is that they laughed? Oh, He's like, well, "I'm a botanist," and it was like, "Oh, look!" And he also does this. Well, there was, but see, I can't do this without talking about the book a little bit. But you, in the book, I had the same feeling though of like, here's this this superstar guy who you can't go to space unless you are a specimen, man. You got to be physically this and that and the other thing. And so for me, it just, I I always bought it. I always bought that he was this guy. But there's more vulnerability in some of the other astronauts. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. He is kind of the super, he's the super soldier up there for sure. And I don't, I know, I don't know that that's accurate compared to the rest, to the rest of the story that was, as it was presented in the book. So, so sure. I I just needed more vulnerability. I wanted more vulnerability. Mm. I wanted to feel that this is somebody who was degrees away from committing suicide because death, that, that survival was infinitesimal. Yeah, his chances were bad. I Okay, uh, I'm with you to a degree because up until a point, I maybe felt a little bit that way and filled in the rest with my brain or my memory of the book. But when they, when we got to a certain scene... It sealed the deal for me that they had done everything they could could do on on a screen to to remind me that he is in dire straits. Um, and maybe they didn't do it enough. That could be argued. But when that uh, door hatch thing blew and and the, the wind at the wind at the at, at the plastic, yeah, yeah, and all that stuff went inside and or when all that you know the atmosphere got inside and immediately all the moisture in that room became frost and turned everything to brittle glass and was just absolutely wasted and all those, you know, potatoes and everything are ruined. There was something really dire and awful about that that well, really got me. And it made me go, oh yeah, dude, you can't just cowboy space jockey this stuff to, to be better. You have to rely on things that are real. And this is now a very real problem. You're going to have to go uh, and, live in the rover I guess now. that's, but that's my point. Right. Is that, those moments should feel like that. Yeah. And I feel like in a different performance, let's look at like, like, like a, like a Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. right? 
somebody who has very often played broken people. Yeah. I feel like at that point, the strongest version of Michael Fassbender, Michael Fassbender is more vulnerable than the, the, the strongest version of Matt Damon. Maybe, maybe you're right from the point of view, if the source material was more like that, then I would agree. But that's the problem. I feel like the book, he is jokey and cocky and has it going on and is constantly making jokes at the expense of people back in Houston about how slow they are to get him information. Uh, Number one, buzz yourself. Uh, Number two. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's all there. But I I think that, you know, that, that source material, uh, and let's, I think at this point we can just get into comparing it to the book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think we've already, we've already done our, our, our movie critiques. Right. Uh, I think you can read in whatever you want to it. And they made the decision to play the character a certain way. Yeah. And they're Matt Damon and, and Ridley Scott, and they know about making movies far more than I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they decided to play him as far more self-assured than I thought of him when I was reading the book. And that I think is the most, effective way to bring people in uh, uh, to the story. I mean, like, I want to think that he's, I mean, like, there are moments when things go wrong in the book where he basically says, I mean, listen, I'm going to leg this out as far as I can, but I'm dead. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, there is, like, this is basically an elongated suicide. Yeah. Like, the act of trying to live is 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 me prolonging uh, uh the the inevitable and i never felt that well did you movie. is it because you've uh, one possibility and it's and i was i was cognizant of this during the during the film but it felt like you couldn't spend the time with him that the book could and because of that because you've got two two hours and 20 minutes to to get this thing up on the screen we actually ended up spending more time with people back home and their thought process mostly as a group but still sort of with them than we did with him compared to how it felt in the book. In the book, it felt I mean, like it, you were it, always you should, with him. But he gets the first act yeah. effectively by himself. Yeah, that's true. That's enough. Yeah. You know, if, if, if it's going to happen, it would have happened. Yeah. I don't think more time with Mark Watney would have solved the problems that I had. Hmm. Well, what did you um, think? What did you think of the supporting crew? Everybody else? Like I, I, I but it's great. Uh, yeah. You know, you mentioned about villains. Uh, the book, and this, I got into an argument with, with Brett about this, and I think you'll probably take his side. Right. Uh, I read the book as, like, Mars is your biggest villain, mm. and the bureaucracy of NASA is the second. It's like the henchman. Like, that's like the final boss, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the big key... In, in the book, you know, where everything kind of turns, the final boss, uh, you know, to get out of the way of human, the, you know, the, the human desire to, to live is when uh, the, the character played by Jeff Daniels makes the decision that they are going to go with. And, and in the book, the, uh, you know, the, the, the plan to launch a uh, launch the, the, the uh, supplies. Yeah. And have a crash land on Mars mm-hmm. is seen as a very low probability mission. Right. And so the decision to do this other riskier but far more likely to save him mission mm-hmm. is effectively the difference. And this is just how I read the book, and a lot of people can can disagree, but I read that as NASA saying, Hey, look, we tried mm-hmm. versus let's really risk people's lives to save him. Well, yeah, but think about, I mean, you, I, I suppose you could label that as, hey, they're the villain or the final boss of the, of the, of the thing. But it's also a, it's a stark reality that I really liked about it because it, think about it in the real world. Would a, would a, oh, yeah. would a oh, Congress no, or a space that. agency or any of them, would they be sitting around going, oh yeah, let's please put six other astronauts in harm's way to get one back. They oh no no no! I loved it. I love 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 that part, and I feel I felt that it, 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 you know in the like hashtag but the book, um, <laughs> you know I I felt that that was an element that I felt was missing. Yeah, I felt that 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 moment when I was thinking about the the cinemaization of this story. Yeah, uh, the scene of Sean Bean versus Jeff Daniels. 
I felt bef- before I saw the movie, that's going to be the fucking Oscars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, those guys, dude, also, just real quick here, can't scan, I don't want to skip over this. This is my one of my favorite things I've ever seen Sean Bean do. Not just because he didn't turn out to be a hidden villain or didn't turn out to die in the end like he does in everything he's in, um, but because I found his performance and his character subtle, very emotional, uh, super interested in how he played that. I really liked him in this, and uh, I hope we oh, get no, to see no, more of him this but, way. Like, I felt that that scene was underwhelming. Really? I thought it was heart-poundingly sad and hard to deal with. It was just quick. The, the, the you're a coward thing? Yeah, that whole thing. You know, were, were there the, the, the Council of Elrond? That's definitely, it's definitely contracted. It, it, it's just, it's, it's uh, you know, Donald Glover, deus ex Glover comes in, uh, <laughs> despite having had no connection to the story previous, shows right. up, you know, shoots two days worth of stuff, yeah. is quirky. Which, I mean, I think I mentioned this on Weird Things as well. But, you know, poor Hollywood casting. That yeah. when looking for the, the twitchy, uh, you know, uh, jet propulsion engineer. Yeah. Uh, you know. Who, they, lives, they, who lives and sleeps there. Uh, who on lives the and sleeps in the JPL laboratory. They yeah. go to Troy and not Abed. Right. 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 <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and who was, I mean, like Donald Glover. The epitome of cool. Yeah, he right? could go. He could get a date. He could do whatever he wants. The coolest guy on the planet. The <laughs> yeah. rapper, actor, you know, model, gorgeous, amazing comedian, stand up like talent. Yeah. Eddie Murphy level funny. Yeah. Uh, a charisma bomb. Uh, he gets the 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 job as the twitchy, uh, you know, super nerd. <laughs> it was very um, weird. That was anyhow. the weird. That was the weirdest casting. I thought. Uh, no, I thought he was great though. He was I, great. I, don't it, yeah. I don't 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 get me wrong, but I would. It's not what I have. I would not have imagined him, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, now, they go into that meeting. Yeah. And you have, you know, all these kind of competing interests. Love that Chinese actor, by the way, the guy at the JPL. He was, he was great. Love him. Hey, by but the I, way, people may not like know, him. if you wonder who he is, he's the, he played um, in that Marco Polo show on Netflix. He's uh, the, uh, the main, what's the guy's name? The, um, the, the Genghis Khan? Yeah, but not Genghis. It was it Genghis? Yeah, yeah, Genghis Khan. Because who is his dad? Something else, Khan. Uh, uh, Chad. Chad. Chad Kong. Yeah, that's it. No, he's fat. I find him ridiculously fun to watch do things. So he was great. Anyway. No, he was. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it, it just I wanted that scene to be like just two heavyweights going after. I wanted it to be like you know stare down, mm-hmm. long drawn out. Uh, uh, you know, takes between the two of them and Jeff Daniels making the hard but safe decision mm-hmm. that is almost certainly going to kill a man. Yeah. Uh, and having... That almost certainly Sean, will save the other five, by the way. And will save the other five. Yeah. Have Sean Bean look him dead in the eyes and call him a coward. Yeah. You know, and 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 then have Jeff Daniels react like he does in the book, which is that you know, that's, that's disgusting. And you can't tell me that. And yeah, and you know, I'm, yeah, listen, it's easy to, to make these kind of comments here in the room, but like, this is my job. My job is to save people's lives right. and I'm going to save five and right. probably kill one. Right. 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 Um, right. I, I, like, I think even, I feel like it worked for me and didn't feel too fast because they did a lot of lead up to that, that created tension. And they did a really good job of this that I don't even think was as evident in the book because it really had to come to a head before that fight happened in the book. In this case, it was more of this long, drawn-out difference of approach by both men. Both men have very different approaches. One was a very um, uh, practical, uh, you know, sort of rational thinking man who runs NASA, who has to make big, broad decisions mathematically and simply. And the other guy is thinking, you know, these people are trained to go after their own. These are like, you know, you, you just you can't tell a bunch of Marines to leave a man behind. Like the, his attitude is clearly coming from a very different source material and I felt like they kind of laid a lot of that stuff out earlier and little meetings here and there glances and looks from each other not I looking like that, he trusts him the, much you know the problem is is that and this might be a script issue uh they were very 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 uh, loyal to the book mm-hmm. there are very few changes uh in terms of the story itself yeah, right. you know there's edits sure uh, and, and and sometimes like I like leaned over to Ashley who hasn't read the book 
and like where they literally move in fast forward uh, while they're like testing things. <laughs> and I'm like, that's literally four chapters. Right. Like that's just four chapters in the book where they're doing the math on whether like how he's going to smash in the uh, the, the 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 roof of his uh, rover. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, they went down. But- they really did. That's, I guess, maybe I was just, maybe I was too impressed by that. I was impressed that a movie could take that really dense source material and make it feel like they didn't skip anything, even though they, you know, they did. I mean, it feels a little Apollo 13. Although, again, I feel like Apollo 13 got more drama out of those moments. Right. I felt like this, ultimately, I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. I liked this script. Yeah. I don't think this was the best adaptation of that novel that could have been done. Interesting. Uh, and, 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 and to that, I mean, when they did Lord of the Rings, you combined a lot of characters, you cut out a lot of stuff, you invented things to get characters from point A to point B, but, and that was among one of the most challenging, interesting, and rewarding adaptations that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fact that Rich Parnell is exactly who he is in the book, yeah. in the movie, mm-hmm. And has no other connection to anybody else, and and he's not, you know, that they don't invent in the movie that he's the the best friend or the stepson of of the main JPL guy. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, they don't combine his character with like the lady who's watching him on satellite, which again would have made book readers howl. Sure, but I think have made a more efficient story at two hours and twenty minutes as opposed to whatever the eight hours it takes to read the book. Well, it definitely, it definitely nothing has been making. I, I've, I've yet to hear somebody who really liked the book to complain about too much. They in the, in the movie. So, so maybe what you're saying is they erred on the side of making sure there was like this accurate um, transfer of the, all the, yes. all of the core concepts and, and they missed the point of movies versus books. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, you know, I think that, like, and they didn't do a bad job. I just don't think that it was the best job that could have ever been done, which is fine. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, you can say that about anything, uh, I guess, right? What was that? You can say that just about about any movie, though. You could say, well, you know, I like I look at Empire Strikes Back as a as a perfect film for lots of well, reasons. No, I won't go about into now. Okay, let's say adaptations. Let's say um, uh, what's the movie a, adaptation. What's a good one? I can't think of any good ones. Lord of the Rings. That that's that's to me the gold standard. Okay, so let's say Lord of the Rings, the first trilogy. Uh, yeah, you make a good point. Like uh, there are things about those movies you're like, wait a minute, that spider doesn't show up till then, or where's Bombadil, or you know, there's like all these like nerd questions about the source material that they made decisions to make it a better cinematic experience. Like again, yeah. we're not talking Hobbit, everybody. I still think the Hobbit was weird and not good. I don't know why it was bad. I just don't. I just know I didn't like it. Um, Not because they went the opposite way. They're like, so. everything stays in. And also, everything takes a million years. I guess so. And But then they added things. Also, and- apparently we're going to do nine hours worth of content and not give any of these dwarves any personality. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to explore these characters. And we're going to have, for some reason, Legolas is here. And he's still dancing up steps that are floating. And we don't understand why. Like, that, those movies, I don't know what happened there. But the original well, trilogy, yes. Isengard. Everyone loved it so much the first time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the first three movies did a thing nobody thought was possible, and that was to somehow, even as long as they were, and not even counting extended editions, take these epic things and present them in a way that was visually believable and cohesive story-wise and interesting and not filled with a bunch of holes, and it just, somehow they pulled that off. So sure, I'll give you that. That's the gold standard, and I agree. These mediums are different. Um and trying to force a book into, you know, a small space isn't it something I demand of my my film adaptations. I guess I walked away from this just thinking they kind of pulled off both. Clearly, I think they did it better than you did. But I think that they they not only kept true to the book, so the nerds will be quiet. Maybe not for that reason, but nonetheless, they'll be quiet. Uh, and but then also produced a really entertaining, really fun to watch movie with, you know, a lot of twists and turns and surprises and stuff that you didn't expect and performances I thought were great across the board. So I have, I'm, I'm actually having a hard time finding too much to dislike about it. I really, really oh, like no, no. it. And, and this is just me nitpicking. Uh, I like the movie. It's well worth seeing. Uh, Waffle Avogus in the chat room points out 
the best adaptation is Jurassic Park the book to Jurassic Park the movie. Probably, yeah. But that see, there's a case where it elevated the material. Like I think it was better than that book. Book was good, but uh, I, I, yes. I mean, I think that, that there there are very specific different points to both. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that 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 movie is the best version of the points that you know of some of the points that are made very very clearly in Jurassic Park, the book. Right. As opposed uh, to know, Congo, right? Congo and Timeline, those are bad adaptations of Michael Crichton books. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and those and Jurassic Park is one that like they cut a lot, they combine a lot, mm -hmm. they make characters different, they make characters die and not die when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the book, and it, it's a very different final product. But, it, but, uh, but but don't you think there may have been motivation in the case of The Martian to say we have to be more true to this source material simply because. The source material, its entire, its entire draw, or one of the things that made it great, in a lot of readers' eyes, was that it was so technical and so scientifically accurate and so well thought out and so you know so kind of airtight in its in both the fiction and the science that were being applied that that, that you felt like you owed it that you had to try to carry that over in some way. I, see, I, I don't think that you need to take that out to make it more of a, a a better cinematic adaptation hmm. like i don't think that there's any element uh, of, of of the scientific rigor or the commitment to to that i mean listen apollo 13 did a great job of it mm -hmm. you know when when you have the most tense moments of your of your movie uh with a bunch of uh you know 40 year old dudes and crew cuts <laughs> in, a, in a room in nasa playing around with hoses yeah like it's not exactly michael bay Right. right, it's not exactly robots shooting aliens with guns. Sure, uh, you know I think that we've seen that. We can see it again. It is more interesting with this newfangled technology. You can make it look cooler and better, uh, and I think they did. All of that is great. I, I just think at at times uh, they, they they didn't do themselves any favors. And in terms of the adaptation, the one thing that I definitely disagree with. Here's one thing I definitely disagree with, and one thing I love that they did change. All right, uh, number one. I did not like that past Watney waking up on Mars. Or no, wait, no, they, they went to it. There was uh, Watney getting left. Yeah. And then flash to um, Jeff Daniels giving the press conference in uh, Houston or wherever. Right. And then they go to Watney waking up. Oh, I I, I one of the things I loved about the book yeah. was that in that first third, you think that this all just might be Robinson Caruso, mm -hmm. that this just might all be him from first person on Mars trying to survive. Yeah, it's ba the basically the first or the the entire middle chunk of Castaway, but on on a planet, basically. Yeah, yeah. By the time that you expand and realize, oh my God, this is also a story about how Earth reacts to him being on there, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, rad, awesome, this is super cool. Yeah. I'm getting some plus. Right. I don't know why they needed to go to Jeff Daniels there as opposed to, you know, having it be three days after he's survived, right? And he's he's at his low point of trying to realize how he's going to survive. Yeah. Then. Oh. That felt a little tropey, like a, um, you know, like an Armageddon movie or something where, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. We have agreement on that. I don't, I, I think it could have been more subtly handled than, than just flying in our face with this usual movie technique, which is we think he's dead and this isn't us overreacting or thinking too soon at all. And, and, yeah. and then having him, you know, wake now, up. Here's what I love. Yeah. The thing that annoyed me about the book the most yeah. uh, is that uh, uh, what is effectively in the book that is translated faithfully into the movie, this is a story about how inspiring that people get about rescuing him, how mm -hmm. inspired they are by it. It right. is a movie about the human condition. Yeah. And the book ends as soon as he gets onto the space, yeah, on, onto the Hermes, and that's it. Yep. Like, it's like, no getting back to Earth. <laughs> No yub nub, no high fives. Uh, I love the epilogue that we got. As schmaltzy as it was, 
I was, you know, that's exactly what I needed was everybody being happy that that humanity had saved one of its own from impossible odds. Yeah, I also like so that's funny you'd mention that because I felt the same way and I and I was surprised I felt that way because I usually hate that um, because it usually feels forced or whatever. But this idea worked for me because here's this guy stranded in this way doing these things the way he did them and and this miraculous coming back was more about you know luck favors the bold basically is is the is the yeah. is the thing here and by the end of it all there's real satisfaction in seeing a guy who'd been through that whose life is inextricably changed by the experience but the kind of positive momentum that he took in the in the fires of his refinement would mean that he would be a forward thinking, you know, guy later and that he would be in this class and he would be teaching this thing. But what made the whole thing work for me outside of just sort of like the grandstanding, yes, and you, I did it and you can too. And if you would want to go up there and live, you need to decide now or whatever. What made it for me was any questions and everyone's hand went up. Oh, had, that was a good way. It had exactly, way exactly the effect I needed to have and the screen going blank and the credits rolling. I love that. I thought that was great. To me, like, or the movie could have ended to me with just him looking down at the little shrub or the little sprout and saying, well, hello there in the same way that he did. Sure. To the, There's the, a little the, Forrest Gump for me, that part. I'm not going to. Well, know. he was sitting on a bench. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> <all bench> <laughs> drama. I mean, not that it couldn't have worked. You're right. I'm just saying it would have been reminiscent of that to me. I just like the idea that. I don't know. There's something about all these hands going up that wasn't just a trope or a trick in a movie. It was a it was, was a way good. of it was like saluting the the science. It was a way of saying, absolutely, we have questions. Uh, absolutely, what you did and what this means historically means that that we've answered new questions we didn't even know we had yet. Like there's a sci- there's science affirmative happening. And and he will never till the day he dies on Earth. He will never not be surrounded by, he will never not be the most curious person on the planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like everyone will always have a million <laughs> questions for him because he did something literally no one's ever done. Yeah. And I also liked, it's a little unrealistic probably given our capitalistic society, but I liked that he was in a classroom with a bunch of pre astronaut, you know, a bunch of students who are trying to become astronauts and he's doing it there rather than showing what would probably happen, which is he is on, he's on some, you know, talk circuit that means $30 million per visit and selling out giant giant arena crowds for his presentations and you never know i mean i'm sure he's doing that too. maybe like, like, what's captain uh, sully doing <laughs> i don't i don't know dude but probably something like that though i don't know actually i shouldn't say because i don't know and it's a little cynical i i admit but i think maybe that's what i loved about the movie on the whole there is a positivity to everything that i don't get in movies anymore we're such a narcissistic angry skeptical people now just generally people are me viewing audiences. They just, everything needs to be death and destruction. And I don't mean this is like, Oh, everything's all violent and terrible back in my day. I mean, it's been this way for decades. I'm not saying it just started, but it's just, that's we, we thrive on conflict and story. This was a different conflict. And it was the kind of conflict that I, I could put aside my baser nature of, you know, savagery for a minute, want to shoot all the bad guys. And instead I got to use my brain a little bit and think about what something might mean. And, why would you want to carry on if you face such odds? And there's something really refreshing about that. And by the way, yeah. Sully is a con- a consultant, yeah. a speaker, yeah, an author, yeah, He's got a blog. Mark Watney would be doing. Yeah. Mark Watney would. Catch. Yeah, yeah, of course he would. Everyone would, I and mean, maybe he even does. This is just an example of him in a classroom, and maybe this is a you know we we don't really know what he was doing, but yeah, of course that guy's not flying planes over the Hudson anymore. He's done. Yeah, yeah, he's done flying. There's no more. There's no more of that for him. That's no, the guy, right? Am I, am I am I thinking of the right guy? It is that guy, right? To save that plane. Although Ramirez goes right back up, huh? Yeah, I did. Right? He was. And he, by the way, Michael Pena. What a hell of a summer for that yeah, guy. Yeah, that guy's killing it, man. He's Dude, great. He I, killed it in Ant Man. He was a standout in this movie. I thought he was great. I love that guy. I think he's every time he's on. I know I'm in for some some humor and some also great dramatic turn he's just great i freaking love that guy and i hope he's in everything from here on out like i i don't know if you ever saw the um oh what's his freaking name october sky guy uh freaking donnie darko i can't think of his name uh, uh oh uh gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal him and uh and this michael pena guy were together in that um la movie where they were like 
It was like found footage with like cop footage, and oh, they were yeah. cops. Uh, uh, end of life. Yeah, and end of line. End of life or line? At line, right? Watch. And oh, I thought it was end of line. It's watch. End of watch. Uh, that's a movie that you could have all kinds of problems with, and I kind of do. There's a lot of issues with it, but man, he's good in that. That guy is yeah. great. I am all for more of him in all the things we make in movies. So if you if you need a Latino man, I know just the guy for you. And by the way, David Ayer, uh, who directed that movie, directing Suicide Squad. Oh, no way. Really? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that movie, we, we probably got to do uh, a thing on that. Three Rangers in the chat room says Mark Watney would probably write a book, and that book would become a movie where Mark Watney would be played by Ben Affleck. Yeah, he's probably... <laughs> <laughs> just to bring it all around um on the whole I, I i hope the movie does well in award season uh i'm i'm I, look i know it's almost blasphemy to say anything's close to blade runner or You're, the other that's one. insane that's, i don't i don't it. know that it's insane i think it's just so easy to say these old decades old movies are, are classics and no one can go near blade, them but like, you can watch blade runner today watch <sighs> it stop talking to me and watch that movie again before you start talking that's crazy but Nonsense. I'll bet I'll bet you can watch The Martian in 20 years and feel pretty good about it. I don't think The Martian's going to hold up in a year and a half. Really? In a year and a half? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think once we get... Listen, right now, we're all jacked up on sugar because a science movie based on a popular book that uh, is very nice and good and is, has an awesome author is doing really well at the box office and we're really excited and we're really invested that it has done well. And I, uh, but you got to understand, this is in our wheelhouse. Yeah. This is like a bunch, if we're a bunch of Red Sox fans and a movie about the Red Sox winning the championship <laughs> was getting Oscar consideration, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and a good star performance by, you know, Matt Damon. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> this is, we're just very, we're very invested in this right now yeah. as a nerd community. Sure. I don't think in a year and a half we're going to look at this movie once the adrenaline's worn off in the same way that we look at it now. Okay. Very much worse. It's good. Um, it's not Blade Runner. It's not Alien. Those are masterpieces. And also, part of it is that those are the gold standard for science fiction. Mm. That's a good point. You, you, could ar- you, could argue that the, that you could argue the Martian has no, has no legs, even as a... I mean, you could you could argue there's so much that came before that those are so much a part of what comes before in cinematic science fiction that you can't even make this movie without having those come before. I get that. I totally get it. But also, I just I think, I think Gravity was better. Oh, you think Gravity was better? Gravity was better. Gravity was cool. Don't get me wrong. I really like Gravity, but I don't know if I'd call it. Gravity's Gravity's an hour and a half. Yeah, but that's short. I didn't want this to end. I was digging it. I love. I, I was. I love Gravity. Here's what gravity knew what it was. Yeah. The entire Yeah. No, gravity was cool. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to. You start, you are always, you know, even in a chaotic, uh, in chaotic moments, you know, where death is for Sandra Bullock, you know, how close it is to her. Yeah. And you know, she needs to do to survive it. Yeah. There were in the Martian where I did not, I did not know it, right? Yeah. They were, there's not that clarity. Um, and there, also, it's just, there's there's parts of the Martian that I think are going to kind of come more into focus the further away we get from it that is very ham-handed. I, I, would, I, would, I would agree to a lot of that. I, I think that there's a... There's, now, the only thing I need is to get the rover. <laughs> It's the rover. There, right? there, there's right. definitely an isolation to gravity that works really well that I think this movie maybe missed a little bit of, but did have in the book. Um, that this that feeling of like uh, I call it the Metroid syndrome. It's the reason I love Metroid games because you are on your own and you are out in the middle of a horrible place and you're going to have to figure it out yourself. And that feeling uh, is is really unmistakable. And this movie didn't have it as much as the book did, nor did it have it as much as Gravity did. If that's what we want out of it, then yes, it per- perhaps failed in that way. Um, I didn't feel that. Maybe it's because Mars is a lot prettier than I had in my head or something. Yeah. So people in the chat room are saying that the Jessica Chastain version of the commander was... Uh, oh, was, I liked not, her a lot, dude. Really? I thought she was really good. And they're saying it's out of character for her to go after 
uh, Watney at the very end. I think that thematically it's tying back to the fact that she felt, you know, personally responsible for letting him go uh, compared to the book character. Yeah, I don't think the book character would have done it, but it was very much in character, I think, for the movie version. Yeah, I don't think it, I didn't feel wrong to me at all. I thought she was and great. Also, like people are saying, well, she was military. Yeah, she was a military person who also just mutinied her entire crew. Yeah, basically. Uh, Come back and save somebody. So she had already demonstrated an ability to uh, to, uh, to 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 go against the grain. Yeah, I thought that was great. I mean, look, some of that stuff in other. I'm just saying, in other hands or another time, this would all have been cheese ball and bad, and it didn't come off that way to me. It came off genuine, and I don't know. It felt like a better future to me. Like I don't know. It's it's it, it's near future <laughs> no, it's, enough. It's, it's it's a very Sunny, inspiring movie. Yeah, for sure. And 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 that's what I liked about the book. And that's why my only real criticism about the book, aside from the fact that it felt like the best written math work book, and I felt like Andy Weir was just going to call me up as soon as I was done listening to it <laughs> and quiz me on all these things, since now I should know how to do these jet propulsion experiments. Right. Um, but beyond that, the only thing that bugged me about the book was that it didn't give us didn't give us the, the human element and this one gave us the human element yeah it's a good con it's a good combination i okay so the, here's my final question before we wrap things up because you have said a couple of times on tms that you didn't think you because and you said it here tonight you, the the movie has such a nerd following and it has such a hardcore um interest on their part to see things be accurately portrayed and everything and we are all really pulling for it to do well and we have an inflated sense in our heads of how well it will do Given what we know about weekend numbers at this point, what is its, uh, how long do you, how fresh is this meat? Will it last longer than you thought? Will we make enough money? And like, how will it do in the draft? That kind of stuff. Um, so what did, I think it, it, it'll track. Um, Cause you were originally yeah. saying like 150 or something. Gravity made 274 million. It's pretty good. Um, the, only thing is that gravity remained the sci-fi spectacle to see that winter yeah for sure that will not be the case for the martian no for sure not i agree with that little movie called star trek coming out (laughs) well okay but do you think we're gonna every year get a movie because this is what's happened gravity comes out very next year interstellar comes out very next year the martian comes out do we are we now owed every year a science fiction near future astronaut spectacle in space movie? Uh, yeah, man. Do you remember how many space movies came out after the prequels? Oh yeah, we got a like lot. a Austin Space reboot, like literally <laughs> anything that had anything to do with space. We got you know seventies, the late seventies and early eighties were ripe with anybody who had anything. Uh, you know, that was space related getting pumped out. We, I think this is definitely, yeah, no, the, the Oscar bait slash sci-fi slash, uh, you can win an Oscar and also make over $250 million at the box office Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. I think that's here to stay. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I like it as a showpiece. I think we're going to get a couple of these. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll swing around, but I, I, I'm happy to, to, to have that. And also, someone in the chat room just said, who is it? Uh, still at work says, compare it to Apollo 13. I think that's almost impossible because the, the, given that the facts of Apollo 13 are essentially true, um, that is a movie about an actual occurrence, there's a different kind of gravity to that when you know that. Versus so something Apollo 13 made $172 million. Just that for inflation, if you can. I don't uh, know if you can. So 19, let's say inflation calculator. Yeah. This is a little segment we like to call. Mark Watney time. Things. <laughs> uh, it's a little, like the, little, little bit like the book. We're reading a chapter of the book. He's trying to figure out how to get uh, enough potatoes with enough uh, used horse shit or whatever, the, or his own shit. What was that they were using? That was gross. Uh, so, wow. Actually, Apollo 13 tracks almost identically to Gravity and the Martian. Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. In 1995, the $172 million that Apollo 13 made would, in 2015, be $2,068,000. Hmm. Uh, damn near $2,067,000. Gravity 
made, I think, two seventy five. That does not feel like fifteen years ago. That's that's well, freaking. That's freaking. You're old. Well, I guess I am. So uh, I. As it turns out, well, yeah, old. but you'll feel a lot older when things that were in your early twenties start to be fifteen years ago, <laughs> and you'll be like, Gary Sinise though hasn't hasn't aged a day. Yeah, not a, not a bit. Right, it's looking pretty good that Gary Sinise. Dude, it's a niece in it. He is. Uh, so I think that probably covers it. Um, if we had to give it, people like this to give it a little bit of a grade. And if we had to give it a, let's let's have a 10 scale. If I had to give it a, uh, you know, how many um, Mar Mars potatoes would I give it? I'd, well, pro I mean, I'd, I'd probably give what, it eight. I'd give it eight. Just, what if we just gave it, I feel like comparison movies. Okay, all right. Like to me, The Martian was it was it was Apollo 13 meets Interstellar for whatever you thought of those two movies it was somewhere in between there yeah that's fair that's so a, a movie are uh, yeah so do a movie that's slightly better mm -hmm. and slightly worse okay um it was somewhere between uh let me think about this this is going to be a strange comparison all right somewhere between Barry Levinson's Avalon a movie, a movie I adore and worship. I know thematically we're not talking about the same genre here, okay? I don't even know what the hell. Oh, you should watch it, Avalon. I love Avalon. Avalon, 1990s Avalon? Yeah, or very early, 92 or 3 Barry or something. Barry Levinson's Avalon. A Polish-Jewish family comes to the United States at the beginning of the 20th century. <laughs> They're a family and their children trying to make themselves a better future in the so-called promised land. Yeah, you need to see it. Yeah, I liked it when it was called... An American tale. It's nothing like that. It is Bible goes west. It is a it is a realistic look at what life is. Or, this uh, movie ripped off an American tale. No, you need that. No, American I'll, tale came out in eighty six. Listen, their brief description ripped off an There's American no tale. There's no cats in America. <laughs> <laughs> they sing that part. Their IMDb uh, short description ripped it off. Otherwise, it's I nothing like that. I may sing to Dottie somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say that's on the high end, and then I'll put Star Trek Into Darkness on the other end. It's somewhere between the other those. end. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not as good as it could be, but, you know, good enough. Can you give me a sci-fi movie and not, a, <laughs> not Avalon. A, a tale of uh, avoiding the Holocaust? All right. Empire Strikes Back and Star Trek. Or no, you know what? I got a better one for you. Star yeah. Trek to The Wrath of Khan, or, and then on the other side, Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. Wrath of Khan being the superior film. Uh I, I think that's that's that fits the rule, right? That's in that's good. Okay. Yeah. I don't think either well <laughs> has has somewhat of a similar pacing to Khan. More more of a similar pacing to Khan than into darkness. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Well it's Avalon. just yeah. Jesus, Dude, what you, you need to watch Avalon if you haven't seen it. It's so good. It is one of my favorite movies ever made. I'd we love should it. do like a film sack, but we watch like decent movies. Yeah, 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 good movies, and talk about why they're and why, talk about why they're good, why movies. they're good, or why they're still good, or why they didn't hold up, or 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 whatever. But that is a fantastic movie all the way through. Really, I cannot recommend it enough, and it's hard to find. You kind of have to dig around for it, but it's if it's not, it's just uh, it's, I don't know. It leaves you in a place. You just have to see it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a spoiler cast for the film The Martian. We hope you go see it yourselves and enjoy it at least as much as we did, if not more, if not a little less than than uh, me or a little more than Jerry. Uh, and we don't know what our next one will be. I have no idea. What do you just make a prediction? What do you think our next one should be? Um, I would say. I mean, like, what is even coming? Well, I guess we could look at the draft. There's that Revenant. Looks good. Um, get your, get your well, I mean, I guess hit us up. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, here the next one would probably be the 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 Steve Jobs. Oh yeah, the Steve Jobs. We should probably yeah, that's got to be it, right? Too 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 many. Job. All yeah. right, so here's the big movies that are coming up: the Steve Jobs. Um, you have Spectre. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the James Bond business. James Bond. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you a Rocky guy? Uh, I like Rocky, and that Creed looks pretty good. Creed looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, we could do uh, Star Trek, uh, The Force of Khan. When is that? Um, that what? is the 18th of, of no December. Of December? 
of December. A day before Star Wars? Or the same day as Star Wars? I'm joking. Oh my gosh, I was going to poop myself. Like, what were they doing? That's suicide. No, I'm just calling it Star Trek because you called it Star Trek. Oh, because <laughs> that's not even this year, is it? The Star oh. Trek movie in question that comes out next year or even yeah. two years from now or whatever it is. They've started shooting it. I didn't know they, had, they have started shooting yeah, it. Yeah, I think they have. It's, it's, there's a finish. Well, I think so. I think that's all in progress. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then uh, the Hateful Eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hateful Eight would be good. Those would all be good. Everything you mentioned would be good. I think the Revenant may, may have to be on that list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do people want us to review the Revenant? I don't know, but I do. Are, are a lot of people really jacked up about like the Revenant? Or well, they, uh, maybe I have a Tom Hardy problem, but I will. Apparently, he's only in the movie for like five seconds. Really? What? Come on. He's getting yeah. second billing. He has to be in longer than that. No, that was like I read a really angry review from a film festival saying like I came here for a Tom Hardy movie. God damn it. <laughs> really? So this is like Steven Seagal in uh, uh, that movie where he died in the plane like in the first five minutes. Yes, <laughs> I was so pissed. That was pretty bad. That was uh, pretty bad. Revenant, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I don't like hearing this because I really like him. Like, I kind of have a problem. I'm thinking of something else, but I'm pretty sure that he's not really in this movie. Well, then I'll, then I'll just see his other twin one a couple of times, so he'll be in it. Yeah, which I heard is good, but not great, but I'm excited to see it. I don't even uh, care. It could be yeah, crap, no, I'll see it. I'm pumped, uh, I'm pumped for all these movies. Yeah, they, they should all be good. And, you know, we may we may yet come around to doing something for, for Fury Road. A lot of people were just shocked that we didn't do anything for that. Um, yeah! I loved that movie to the point. I mean, I guess if we're going to do one for Fantastic Four, we should probably do one for Fury. <laughs> yeah, Fury. We'll, we'll do, and maybe we'll double header that episode or something. Although I, I feel don't like know. also, as much as, I mean, I love talking to you, um, <laughs> I feel like we probably both talked uh, independently so much about that movie. Oh, I still have, yeah. If, if, right. if the I talk, like talk to yeah. each other, I feel like if you want to hear us talk about the Fury Road, I'm sure we probably did 45 minutes on the morning stream when it came out. I've talked about Fury Road more than all of the war boys and war pups you could count in that movie, or even people trying to get water at the base of the of the Citadel. There are more there are more me talking about it than there are those people. Um, and I've seen it six times now, and I've really got a problem. I freaking love that movie. So 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 uh, still my favorite movie of the last like decade, man. Steve Jobs comes out. To, uh, this week oh what really I yeah know that this weekend which yeah. by the way interesting if steve jobs does well mm -hmm. that would be one of the things that would make the martian not do as well that's a good point yeah because there's you're looking at similar audiences mm -hmm. people who went to go see the martian would probably be excited to go see steve jobs yeah i would think so and i think the martian will do better than steve jobs mm -hmm. But there, that might be the difference between the Martian being gravity. Yeah, and there's your there's your fast bender, you know, emotional range you're looking for. We'll see how that goes for him. He looks nothing. Like nothing, but everything I hear about it is that he embodies him in every other possible way on screen. So. Well, I think he embodies him in the same way that uh, Aaron Sorkin probably still has an erect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> able to write, you know, the ultimate great and complicated man character uh in in steve jobs like, yeah it was kind of a party everything that aaron sorkin does is a great and complicated man like steve jobs is the epitome of the great and complicated man yeah i, I kind of agree um well we'll, we'll see how that goes we'll uh, get back to folks and let you know in the meantime thanks for hanging out send your feedback to scott at frogpants.com if you have any questions thoughts or movies you think we should talk about in future episodes let us know we don't know when we'll be back but we will be Justin, thanks very much. Absolutely. Thank See you very much. See you later, suckers. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.